Dear Lord in heaven, you promised in, uh, in Psalm 25, verse 9, that the meek you will guide in judgment, and the meek you will teach your way. We ask you to do that for us as we study these problems and discuss the solutions. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think you've asked a good, uh, you've come for a good set of problems. Well, Alakun, it's, it's possible that we've had a lot to do with what's wrong with Jamie, and it's been bothering us lately, and well, that's why we've come. We, we really don't know uh, what we've done right or wrong at this state. We're in a state of confusion, you might say. Well, I'm so happy you came. There's a text of Scripture that you might be interested in. It's the 144th Psalm and the 12th verse, and it says that the Lord wants our sons to be like plants. Now here is a plant. And the Lord wants our sons to be like plants. Maybe we can uh, find something from the Word of God that will help us in learning how to train plants. The very thought of training plants sort of conveys a thought, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, we may turn to this plant several times as we, as we discuss possible solutions. Uh, would you like to present to us one of the first uh, questions that's in your mind? Well, we went so far as to write some of the questions out that we had because we wanted to be sure and see that we covered the things that have been bothering us lately about Jamie especially and Karen next. Um, but before we start, we have a couple of next-door neighbors and they have a uh, couple of children, seven and eight, and they never let the children make any decisions. Now, from what we understand, they should make some decisions, but we're not exactly sure where to draw the line and what to allow them to decide to do and what we should be deciding for them. Well, actually, the neighbors have come to us and tried to help us raise our children, and all it's done is add more <laughs> confusion to our life. But, we're, you know, we're interested in them and, and looking at their children as examples for bringing ours up, too. Uh, are these neighbors rather, it would sound to me like these neighbors are more or less uh, very conscientious. I find that, as a rule, conscientious neighbors are the type that'll come around and uh, and spend their their opinion, as they say in my country. <laughs> Probably they're rather conscientious, is that right? Yes, they're good friends of ours. We, we enjoy we enjoy them, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a, a sharing together that we have also. Right. Uh, I know of uh, I know that it's possible for an individual to be so overly protective of the child that they try to make all the decisions for the child. Now this overprotectiveness uh, may be breaking one of the seven secrets of family communication. Uh, these seven secrets, by the way, are Jesus, that's one and joy, that's two, and they go together. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then the next two secrets are choice and humility. Jesus presented that in Matthew 11.28 to 30. He said, if, if we choose, I'm paraphrasing it, if we choose to come to him and learn of his meekness, there will be a, a restfulness. So uh, those are four of the secrets, and uh, what we will merely We'll merely preface them now 
and uh, you may want to study it in, into it very much more in detail a little later. Sure we and are. the last three are faith, hope, and love, uh, found in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, in the 12th verse. And uh, children should, should feel assured of our love, and they should rest assured in our confidence in them. And we'll develop that as time permits. They should really recognize that we have a lot of confidence, and it builds up hope. Now, if we uh, overprotect our children and try to make them grow up spiritually faster than they do naturally in Christ, uh, I, I'll turn to this plant again. Now, when I was a little boy, <laughs> I was growing beans. Now, this isn't a bean, as you know, but I was growing beans, and uh, and I couldn't uh, I couldn't get these beans to grow fast enough. They didn't mature like I wished they would. And so I I fell onto a wonderful idea. I thought. So I gently took one of these beans by the stem and pulled it. And you know, in a matter of moments, it was an inch taller than it was before. And I thought, oh my, that's wonderful. But you know what? <laughs> the next morning, I decided that I didn't know beans. For those <laughs> beans were all dead because I had not known the law of choice and letting them to grow normally. There are many, many families in our world who are trying to overprotect their children. They're, they're not doing it consciously. But in their dis desire to, to have these children live up to every little conscientious thought of the parents, they're actually destroying them. We'll come to that perhaps a little bit later. Now, for this, your own problem. Well, this is in, this is in connection with, with the first thing we had here. Uh, I spend all my day at work and come home and, well, I'm tired, but I know that my responsibility is to my children, so I try to just you know, show all kinds of love for play with my kids all I can in the evening, but uh, my to the wife, extent, yeah. yeah. To the extent where when anything goes wrong or the child does anything, he doesn't want to punish them because he doesn't have much time with them and he doesn't want them to have a bad image of him. Right. If I just came in in the evening and, uh, and you know, was constantly spanking them because they were yelling and hollering and such, but uh, I don't know, what, what would you do in that Well, you case? know, it sounds to me like you're a normal family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is true that a father being away all day uh, doesn't want to turn his children off in the couple hours that he's with them. That is perfectly normal. On the other hand, it's perfectly normal that a mother who has had to contend with these children and their discipline all day <laughs> would like daddy to take over to a certain extent. Now the problem is to what extent should a daddy help with the discipline when he returns home, you see? Uh, and to what extent should a mother let down when he comes home? It's something to think of. First of all, the father and mother should do what the Lord says to do. He says in, in Matthew chapter 18, 15, that if we have any difficulties, talk it over together. In other words, if you disagree as to what part your husband is to take and he is, he is feeling one way about it and you another, then you'd sit down by yourselves when the children are not listening. See? <laughs> yes. I see. <laughs> well, we've, a little family thing, we've, we've, you know, I suppose it's a mistake, but we've 
he said things in front of the kids. And you know what? Uh, the kids start talking like, uh, like us. <laughs> yes. I suppose that's nothing new. And the Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus said this. You remember that. <laughs> so, so the Bible has made arrangements for husband and wife to sit down together. I'm so glad you have come here without the children so we can discuss it without their hearing it all, you see. Uh, there's a time that you will go into this discussion rather than in the hearing of the children. One of the most beautiful times is early in the morning when both of your minds are at rest. You see, the, the human mind is a one-track mind. And if her mind is on uh, perhaps the, the preparation of the supper, and uh, there you are with the children, and, and, the, and you start to tell her how to do with the children, she starts to tell you, uh, you both become frustrated. And the children are frustrated, as you've already indicated. So I would suggest that <clears throat> after we're through with this little discussion, you will set a time apart in the day when the two of you, alone, without the children hearing, will discuss the various problems, but not just the problem, identify the problem, and then go into the possible solution, you see, so that you'll be in agreement as much as possible. While we're discussing problems, Pastor Kuhn, can we bring up one of Jamie's biggest problems, I think? Yes. And that is lying. When, when I see Jamie, when I tell Jamie, did you do this? He has a tendency to, to hit Karen or play, play rough with her. He will look at me and he'll just say no. When there's no one else in the room, I know Jamie did it. Right. And then you punish him, of course. Well, I have to. I mean, he hit her. Yeah, there you are. Now, we have learned that the Bible associates, it, it presents what we call the law of association. The law of association means that, that all human beings associate one thing with another. If little Jamie associates a, a whipping with having told you the truth, he'll stop telling you the truth. Uh, my wife and I had a, an unwritten agreement with our little children that we would never punish them if they owned up to something that we didn't know. Now, if we knew about it without their owning up, we'd punish them for the mistake they made. But if we did not know, and they frankly told us the truth, we would say, you told Daddy the truth, so you're not going to be punished. That's wonderful. I'm glad. That is a beautiful thing that you told Daddy the truth. You're not going to be punished. No so matter. now they'll associate telling the truth with a reward rather than a punishment. No matter what happens. That is right. Unless I have learned some other way. If I know that he hit the little Karen, you see, then I won't say to him, did you hit her? Because then he'll associate his having told the truth. I'll say, Jamie, I saw you hit Karen, so I must punish you because I told you not to. By the way, that brings us to another question. How can we really teach our children obedience? Uh, we kind of started with that, didn't we? Sure did. Each of yeah. you having your own thought. <clears throat> it might help you if I shared with you an experience that I had before I was married in training children. I was a supply teacher in a school, an elementary school. And I was so eager to be so nice and so good, like you're saying that your husband likes to be when he comes home, that that first day in school was a most beautiful day of bedlam. I wanted the children to love me. 
And so I was good. I let them do anything they wanted to do, almost. <laughs> and when we're through the day, oh, they thought I was the most wonderful person in all the world, but they hadn't learned anything. <laughs> and really, they weren't too happy. So that night, thank the good Lord, my brother Lane, who had never taught school a day in his life, he was a painter, he noticed, because the schoolhouse is just about 50 or 100 feet from our house, he noticed what was going on. He could hear it. He came to me at the close of that day. He looked this way and that to be sure that nobody was listening. So I would feel that it was a confidential bit of advice. And he said, Glenn, you didn't have too good a day today, I know. He said, but I can give you some counsel if you'd like it. I said, I surely would. I'd, I can give you some counsel by which tomorrow will be a lovely day. Tell me, Lane, what should I do? He said, tomorrow morning, when you go, when you open the school, open it with a little worship. This happened to be a church day school where you could have worship, you see. He said, open the, the school with a little worship. During this worship, you'll explain to the children that, that all of us have to learn to obey our maker, God, and that in order to learn to obey him, we must learn to obey our parents and our teachers. So children, I'm going to teach you how to obey God by learning how to obey me. And I'm going to lay down some principles so that you'll know exactly how we're going to carry on today. I said, now, when I tell you to do anything, by the Lord's help, I'll never raise my voice. But once having told you what to do, once having instructed you, I shall always have to insist on obedience. Now, <clears throat> if you forget to obey me, there'll always be punishment. But I shall not punish you in anger. I shall punish you so to help you to remember not to disobey next time. And so you'll know that every time you'll never be punished for anything except what I've given you the direction to do and you fail to do it. Or I tell you not to do something and you do it. So we had our prayer. We opened our school. Well, within about 40 minutes, <clears throat> the little ringleader, <laughs> he knew that he had to attract attention, you know, because he wasn't too good at books. So he had to have some kind of uh, attention paid to him. So I saw him in his desk doing something with his fingers. I finally realized that he was doing a paper wad. And I acted like I didn't see him. All at once, he put this little paper wad into orbit. I think he hit a girl in the face. I said, children, we won't do any more paper wads. And that's all I said. About maybe an hour later, I noticed that this little Jimmy boy, again, was working under his desk. Now, I didn't have much sense, but I had enough not to glare at him. If I had glared at him, it would show that I was afraid. So I, I, I was talking to the children and carrying on my classwork, but I was watching. <laughs> you know, teachers, they say, have eyes in the back of their head. <laughs> and I was watching, without his realizing it, all at once, this little paper rod goes into orbit. Maybe it hit a boy in the nose this time. And I said, I'm so sorry, little Jimmy forgot. I said, and as I indicated before, there has to be a punishment, so he will remember. My brother had told me to already have a little switch out in the entryway. Not a big one, because it's the idea, it's the psychology. It's not the physical hurt. It's the thought, the idea of being punished. So I had a little switch out there, and I took little Jimmy out 
<clears throat> and I said, now, Jimmy, just so I know you forgot. After Since then, I've wondered if I maybe, maybe I prevaricated a little. He hadn't forgotten. <laughs> but I didn't know how better to say it. So I said, I'm sure you forgot. And so that you'll remember, just before I switch you, Jimmy, I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to help you to remember next time. Uh, he was a little fellow, maybe, maybe only eight. So I put my arm around him, and as I talked to the Lord very tenderly, little Jimmy got the point. He got the point that I was not whipping him because I was angry, but because I loved him and wanted to teach him obedience. That little fellow that age. And as I began to pray, I felt his arms right around my leg. He was hugging me. He appreciated so much the fact that that discipline was a discipline of love. Then I, you know, I didn't put many, I didn't have to put many strokes on. They hardly hurt. It was just the idea. When we went back in the schoolroom, that was the beginning of a beautiful month of training of these, of these pupils. I was just a supply teacher. Well, after that, <laughs> you know, God's reward for our doing something fairly well is to give us a bigger assignment. I then received a call to another state to teach a school where the students were, some of them were as big as I was, and they'd already chased three teachers out. <laughs> and, and now they'd invited me. I think if they'd known that I'd only had one month of teaching and I had never done any preparatory work, I had no, no academic preparation for I was preparing to be a minister. So I, I'm sure they would never have called me had they known how ill-prepared I was scholastically for teaching. When I came to this school, I saw these boys, three of them almost as big as I. And I could see they were just waiting to test because they'd already dispensed with three teachers that year. And they figured, well, the fourth, that'll be wonderful. We'll really fix him. So uh, they first, they decided that they'd try out my strength. On the, on the playground. One day, all three attacked me and thanked the Lord. <laughs> the Lord helped me put the whole three in a heap. <laughs> this was the Lord's special blessing. Uh, <laughs> so I put them all in a heap and I smiled and we laughed together. But they knew then that physically, not any one of them better take me on. Well, finally, just a few days passed and I taught them the same. Now, every time I give a command, you will obey. If you forget to obey, there will always be punishment. But I shall, by the grace of the Lord, I'll never lift my voice. I'll always punish just to help you to remember. Sure enough, one noon, as I was leaving for my lunch at a nearby neighbor's, maybe, oh, 600 feet away, just as I was leaving the playground, these three big boys, I noticed, were playing with a lizard. And they weren't being very tender. And so I turned and I said, boys, we won't do that anymore to the lizard. You let the lizard alone. So I started on then to my place where I ate. And I didn't have much sense, but the Lord gave me just enough sense not to glare back. Much as say, I doubt you. So I walked right on until I was pretty sure that they didn't think I'd look back. Then I glanced back and they were just going back to the lizard. I went on and ate my meal, and as I was eating, I was claiming a promise from the Lord to give me wisdom. I said, here are these three big boys. If it were three little boys, I'd feel a lot more comfortable after a couple girls. But the three biggest boys in the school, 
As I sought wisdom from the Lord, I felt impressed to do it the same as I'd done in the other school with a little boy. I called the school after the recess, afternoon hour. I said, I'm sorry, three of our boys forgot. <laughs> I didn't know a better way to say it. I knew they hadn't forgotten, but what would you say? So I didn't know what to say. So I said, <laughs> uh, three of our boys forgot. And I'm sorry, but uh, we'll have to punish. Just so you'll remember that we must obey God. In order to obey God, we have to learn by obeying our teachers and our parents. So I thought, which one will I take out first? I decided to take the, the smallest. <laughs> so if he resisted, uh, I would be successful. So I took him out and entered. I also had a little switch ready for him, a little bigger than I think I had the first school because he was bigger. <laughs> I prayed with him. I gave him just a few strokes, <laughs> not too many. When we came back in the schoolroom, all the kids tittered, laughing at him. And the Lord gave me just enough sense to say, don't you laugh at him. We all make mistakes. <clears throat> and don't you laugh at that boy. And the moment I said it, you know what happened? The, 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 all the pupils, they were on my side. They saw then that I was not punishing this boy because I was angry. That I was punishing him to teach him obedience to God and man. They saw I wasn't angry, I wasn't, I wasn't upset. They didn't know how worried I was inside. <laughs> so that had set the pace. So then I took the next of the biggest boy out, and I prayed with him. And you can rest assured, I gave him just as few strokes as I dared to get away with. As few, not as many. Came back in, took the biggest boy out. They had already indicated that they, would, they had knives, and they'd pull these knives. They hadn't to me, but I'd heard it. When I took the third one back in, he sat down. You know, I felt so relieved. They hadn't applied anything to this coon. <laughs> they, they could have skinned me, you know, <laughs> but they didn't do it. And I said, thank you, Lord. And you know, I said, that is the way the Lord wants me to do with my children. He wants me to give a simple directive to my children when I'm married, have my family. And then he wants me not to get mad and shout at them. And every time they disobey, to immediately punish. Not a big punishment. Even a look will enter into the, the heart of a child, like a hundred stripes, the Bible says, into a fool, you see. So the punishment for a child must be very, very little. Very little. We may come into that a little later. <laughs> well, Pastor Kuhn, when do you start this type of discipline with children? Do you start it when they're, you know, like old enough to answer you back or... What what time do you start this time? Yes, from the about? time that they're babes in arms. You may be interested to know that my wife and I have a several volume set of books. We didn't write them. <laughs> Indicating from the time a child is a little tiny child, that child can be taught obedience. Uh, not by things that child will do, but by things that we will do. They'll learn that no means no because certain things we do. They'll know that yes means yes. So they're, they're to be trained. We don't have time this at this time to go into it all. They are to be trained from the time they're little tots so that as they grow older, it will be part of the habit. When mommy says no, she doesn't have to yell. No means no. They learned it before they could speak. They learned it before they could even reason almost. It's just like uh, an animal, you know. The animal responds to a whip or to a pat. 
And yet they claim that animals don't seem to have much reasoning power. So from the earliest infancy, those children are to be taught so that it's a habit of life as they grow up. Did you, uh, you might have another question. I know that clock is getting away from us. I don't know why it does. Yes, Jamie just came up with a, Jim, you should relate this one. Jamie's told this one to you about not going to Sabbath school. Yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. He, uh, he just indicated to us that uh, he wasn't interested in going to Sabbath school, you know, in kids' talk. And I, you know, just passed it off, but then as Barbara and I started talking about it, we, we began to wonder, uh, was it a passing thing? Is it something that we've done? Is it something the Sabbath school's done, or, or what? Is, is this common, or have you heard this before? Yes, yes, it's very common. If a child, now here are the seven secrets, Jesus and joy. If a Sabbath school is not joyful, not all the children will dare to say to mommy, I don't want to go, but they may think it. Sabbath schools, all forms of, re of religious worship should have a joy element, a rejoicing, because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. If children and everyone likes to be where there are rejoicing people, if the Sabbath school teacher scolds them a little, they cannot want to go. Another thing, two other of these secrets are choice and humility. If a child is belittled in Sabbath school, that child doesn't want to go. My grandson one day came to his, to his mommy. He said, he was just about that age of yours. He said, Mother, I don't want to go back to Sabbath school anymore. And what do you suppose it was? Somebody had belittled him. That's all. When that person apologized for belittling him, he was happy to be right back in Sabbath school. There are the laws of choice and humility, you see. Not overprotecting a child. Not belittling, belittling a child. There are three other secrets that make a child... Love, religion, faith, hope, and love, 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse. Talk faith in that child. Every child likes to have people show confidence. Little Danny went to his mother, his grandmother, in fact. He said, Grandmommy, I've just got to be good. She said, why do you say that? He said, so many people believe in me. My mother exercised and, and spoke so much faith in me as a little boy. If she hadn't spoken faith, as, she, as the love light shone out of her eyes, I would never have had the hope that I could ever amount to anything. Well, we've just barely introduced it, and I see our time has gotten away from us. Um, <clears throat> perhaps uh, because of the appointment we had to go to, we could come back again? It would be a joy, and you might bring a whole set of questions, and we'd get more deeply into the subject. All right. Why don't we, before you leave, just bow our heads in prayer? <clears throat> our Father in heaven, we thank you that you promise that your presence will go with these dear ones and give them rest. You've also promised them wisdom in James 1.5. We ask you to do this. We believe through Jesus Christ, through whose merits alone we come to you, we believe that you're going to give them continual instruction and guidance day by day. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.